this series and where we're going to be today, Who Am I Really? Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, a verse we all know really well. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And I have a question as we start today. Do you know who you are? Do you know who you are? You know, uh, there's this, this thing that's really popular today. Uh, it's called... Um, you know, Ancestry.com, and you can go and you can do this test on how it works. You can pay 60 bucks and they'll tell you who you are. They'll tell you what, what you're made up of. You might have a little English in you, maybe some Scottish, maybe a little Native American. You know, you're kind of a, a, kind of a conglomeration of all sorts of things that come together and uh, define who you are. And it's, it's really common today to want to know who we are. For some reason, we want to know who we are and who we might be related to. And am I related to somebody famous? You know, it's like, that would be really cool. Um, well, I want to talk today about knowing who we are in spiritual terms. And that's like the $10,000 question, who am I? And I'm always talking about our identity in Christ. And there's this reality, I say it all the time, that a lot of people talk about their identity in Christ, but do they really know what it is? And we ended last week looking at this list looking at this list of things. Um, I'm victorious, I'm a conqueror, I'm strong, I'm confident, I'm loving, I'm forgiving, I'm patient, all of these things. And we can look at a list like this as we ended last week and said, what do you see? Do you see how you're supposed to behave? Or do you see who you are? And that's the key to the Christian life. It's seeing that that's who I am. I am loving, I am forgiving, I am patient because I have the life of Christ in me. It's not just how I'm supposed to behave and act, but it's who I am. But I want to build on this today and get to the core of the question, who am I really? What does it really mean to find my identity in Christ? And we're going to define that today going forward. And I just wonder, is this phrase just a catchphrase or is it a practical theology? And, and I want to look today, what's the doctrine, what's the theology behind saying that my identity is in Christ not in this world, not in anything else, but my identity is, is in Christ. And what does that really mean? This series we've been in, Easter People, looking at how we can be people who celebrate Easter every single day, not just one day of the year, but every day. And how we are people of the resurrection. And we talked about responding to the gospel a couple of weeks back and even last week, this idea that the cross gives us something to believe. There's something to believe that's wrapped up in the cross and then there is something to receive in the empty tomb. Christ came out of that empty tomb to fill our uh, empty and our dead parts and, and to give life to us. And so there's something to believe and something to receive. And this morning, we want to think about that reality of receiving the life of Christ, receiving the Holy Spirit, letting Him fill us, and believing everything the Bible says about who we are in Christ, that He certainly is my identity in the most fullest of ways. So let me give you a big idea, <clears throat> and then we're going to answer this question. Here's the, the big idea. If I'm confused about who I am, it will affect how I am. And this is so true. It's more true than we may realize. But if I'm confused about who I am, it will affect how I am. For instance, if I were to say to someone, well, how are you today? How are you doing today? How do you feel today? The reality is understanding who I am in Christ will affect that answer. If I know who I am in Christ, it will affect what I know about myself, which will affect how I feel about myself 
You see, how I see myself, how I respond to sin, how I process my emotions, how I cope with life in general is all tied to understanding who am I in Christ. And the answer today is going to be maybe in some way surprising and a little different than maybe what you you sometimes hear oftentimes, but I want to make the case this morning for what I'm going to share is the best way to understand who we are in Christ. So, who am I really? Three answers to this question, and we'll break it down like this. Here's the first answer. Who am I really? Uh, I am not who I used to be. I am not who I used to be. Think about that. And uh, we'll start there with this simple question, who was I? Who was I? In fact, how, how about this? I got a question for you this morning. Simple question. It'll help us get started here. Um, how many sins does it take to be a sinner? One, right? Correct answer is, how many sins to be a sinner? Correct answer is, zero. Take zero sins to be a sinner. I'll explain to you. Little Johnny's born. Little Johnny is 10 minutes old. He has yet to have a selfish thought. He has yet to uh, disobey mom and dad. The Bible says little Johnny is a sinner. He was conceived in sin. Here's how David said it. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David's not saying that my mom, when she conceived me, was sinning. He's saying I was conceived a sinner. I was born into sin. Everybody is born into sin before we even commit a sin. We are condemned. We're born sinners. Romans 5, therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, who was, that man was Adam, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. We all sinned in, in, through Adam. One trespass led to condemnation for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So just because Adam sinned, he passed the sin gene down to all of us. Here's, here's the reality. Adam and Eve were the first two children on the earth. And Adam and Eve disobeyed their heavenly father. The problem is they were the first two parents on the earth. And they passed their sin, that sin gene, on to everybody else. Everybody is born into sin. Sin comes natural to us. It's just who we are. We are just naturally going to sin. We're born with a sin nature. We are born condemned. One trespass, one trespass by Adam led to condemnation for all men. That's the reality. <clears throat> That's the reality. So, and you were dead, Ephesians uh, chapter 2, and you were dead, past tense, and trespasses and sins, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Sin comes natural to us. Best explanation, I've used it many times before, little Johnny, he's now two years old. Do I have to teach little Johnny how to be selfish or how to share? Do I have to teach little Johnny how to be good or how to be bad? Do I have to teach him how to listen to mom and dad or disobey mom and dad? What, come nat what comes natural to little Johnny? Does Johnny go through the wonderful twos or the terrible twos? Right? What's natural to us? Sin is natural. We're born into sin. We're born with a sin nature. Now, <clears throat> you might question this and say, well, let me ask you another question. How many good deeds does it take to be righteous? Zero. Take zero good deeds to be righteous. Take zero. Who was I? I was spiritually dead, born into sin and condemnation. That is who I was. I'm not who I am, but that's who I was. And I need to know 
who I was. Romans chapter 5, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. So just as the one sin of Adam made us all guilty sinners were born into sin, the one righteous act of Christ going to the cross is what makes us all righteous. I'm not made righteous by anything I do. None of my good works make me righteous. That's amazing. So, who am I? I'm not who I used to be, and that's who I was. Uh, so I'm not who I used to be. Who am I then? I am Second Corinthians 5.17, our, kind of our key verse here today. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. I am a new creation. I'm not who I used to be. I'm a brand new creation now. Entirely brand new. I'm not just new and improved. I am brand new. New. That is who I am. And we need to know and believe that we are indeed brand new. The Bible says that we are, and the key phrase there in that verse is that we are in Christ. Everyone who is in Christ is a new creation. The Bible says when you're saved, you're baptized by the Holy Spirit into Christ. Before I was in Adam, now I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation. I also have a new heart. And this one, I, I hear this all the time. And, um, and I can go back several years when I used to t- teach these same things and I just didn't get it. But there's this verse in Jeremiah 17, 9 and I hear, I hear people all the time describing us this way. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And people say, you know what? You got a sick and a deceitful and a wicked and an evil heart. And the Bible says, no, you don't anymore. If you know Christ, you're a new creation. You have a new heart. You have a new heart. Just read through all of Paul's letters, how he describes our heart. Galatians 4, 6, and because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, crying, Daddy, Daddy. God put his Holy Spirit into your heart. Love this one, Romans, uh, Romans 8, 5. I think it's Romans 5, 8. Actually, I turned them around. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God has filled your heart with his love through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. But I love this one, Ephesians 1. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of Him, having the eyes of our hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which He has called you and what are the riches of His glorious inheritance in the saints. You have a heart that can be enlightened to know the spiritual blessings of God. It goes on to talk about that immeasurable greatness of His power we talked about last Sunday. My heart can know God's power. My heart can know God's blessing. My heart can know God's wisdom. That's not a heart that's deceived and deceitful and wicked. No, I got a brand new heart. Bible told the Jewish people that one day he would give them a new heart, a fleshly heart, not a heart of stone, but a fleshly heart. The reality is we get new hearts when we are saved. I'm a brand new person with a brand new heart. In fact, I'll give you another one. Think about how we can trust our heart today back in the Old Testament, <clears throat> and you'll hear this, and again, you'll hear, a majority of churches are going to teach you this today. We don't teach it here, but, and I used to, I used to be one of those that used to teach the same thing, but they'll tell you that when it comes to your giving, when it comes to your money, you're supposed to tithe, right? You're supposed to take 10% of everything you make and give it back to God, and if you don't, 
they'll tell you you're robbing God. <clears throat> well, that's what the Old Testament said. That's what the law said. We're not under the law today. And how does God tell us to give today? I love this. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Don't give under law. God says today, you know what? When it comes to giving, trust your heart. Trust your heart where I poured out my love and his spirit or my spirit lives in you. Just trust your heart. When it comes to giving, just give that way rather than giving under a law. And I think it is so beautiful and it's just we just see this continually. If I have a wicked and a deceitful heart that I can't trust, why would God tell me then, you know what? Just give in your heart. You can trust your heart. You can because the Holy Spirit lives there and you are a brand new creation. I also have a new mind. 1 Corinthians 2.16, for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I can think the thoughts that Christ thinks. I can entertain holy thoughts. I can make wise judgments today. Now the reality is, this is the key, it's what controls your mind and what controls your heart. Because I can still think unholy thoughts and I can still have unholy desires in my heart. It's what controls my thoughts. It's what controls my feelings. That's the key. But who am I? I am a brand new creation in Christ. I have a new heart and I have a new mind. I am not who I used to be. Okay? That's the first answer to this question, who am I? Look at a second answer. Who am I really? I'm not who I think I am. <clears throat> Now, this is going to get better, I think, and I'm going to say some things that aren't maybe the common way we hear things described about who we are. But think again about who I am. I'm not who I think I am. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. <clears throat> the old has passed away. So I'm not only a new creation, the old me, the old man has passed away. He is dead and gone. Let me visualize this for you. Which picture do you think best describes us? Well, okay, this is what I was before Christ. I was dead in sin. I'm, I'm black, I'm filthy, I'm dirty. And then I come to Christ, and now I'm pure and holy, right? That's who I am. Or, is this picture better? Well, yeah, I'm pure and holy. I'm a new creation, but I still got my sin nature, and so I still got this war going on inside me. I got the old man fighting the new man, and it's kinda, they're kind of fighting each other all the time. And that's my reality. Which one do you think is the best reality? Here's what I want to contend. A lot of people today, they may not give you that kind of picture, but that's how they describe us is by that middle man, that we have this old man and this new man, and they're fighting each other, and they're each trying to evict the other person and take control of me. And I'm going to contend today that this is who we are, that we are pure and we are holy, and my old man is dead. The Bible's clear my old man is dead. He is dead and gone. Now I get it. We have a problem with sin and we'll get to that. But that's who we are. We are pure and holy. Here's the thing. The Bible, think about this. The, I'm pure and holy. The Bible, think about this, is not a moralistic book about behavior. It is a spiritual book about life and death. And we talk about this all the time because so many so many people today, they just moralize the Bible. It's like a manual for how to live an abundant life by just doing what's right and not doing what's wrong. And it's true, if you don't know Christ and you just take the Bible and you follow the good things it says to do and you forgive and you love and you, you'll have a better life, that's true. 
But the book is primarily not a book about behavior improvement. It is a book about life and death. It is a book about either you are alive or you are dead. It is about the life of Christ. The whole book is is His portrait. So just think about that. Think about the difference of how we approach the Bible. So, here's what I find interesting. Most people look at the Bible and think it's a moral book. It's about right versus wrong. And then they look at us and they look at our nature and they say, well, who am I? Well, I'm two people fighting. I'm fighting with myself to do what's right all the time. And I think that picture up there where we are totally pure and white is is not a picture that describes us as fighting right versus wrong. It is about being alive or being dead. And that's how we need to see ourselves. I'm either alive in Christ or I am dead in Adam. The bottom line is I am not schizophrenic. I'm not dualistic. There are not two people inside of me. There is one person inside of me. So I'm not who I think I am. Okay, so then who am I really if I'm not who I think I am? Well, let's start here. Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. And I think I messed that up. Let me read the the first two verses there. Um, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means, how can we who died to sin still live in it? We are are dead to sin. That's what the Bible is saying. I am dead to sin. Here's the big change in your life. Look at it this way, okay? I was dead in sin, and now I'm dead to sin. There's a big difference there. I was dead in sin, now I'm dead to sin. What does it mean to be dead to sin? Well, think about this. You ever had two people in a relationship and one person says to the other, you're dead to me. What are they saying when they say that? They're saying, well, you know what? You don't exist anymore. As far as I'm concerned, I have nothing to do with you. I don't even know you. If if a parent and and a child have a falling out, sometimes they do that and the parent says to the child, you're dead to me. You're not my child anymore. You don't exist. And when God says to us, we are dead to sin, that's what God's saying, in essence. You know what? Yeah. The old man, he's dead. He's gone. He has nothing to do with you anymore. You are dead to sin. The relationship is effectively over. Now, I know, again, we still struggle with sin, and we're going to get to that. But when it says we are dead to sin, it means that sin is no longer a part of who I am. I'm not, I'm not a brand new person, and yet the old man is still living inside, trying to fight with the new man, trying to evict the new man, and I'm trying to evict the old man, and who will win? That's not the clear picture. I'm not fighting with myself. Back to Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> I am dead to sin. I was dead in sin, but now I am dead to sin, okay? Romans chapter 6, verse 5, For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we certainly shall be united with Him in a resurrection like His. We know that our old self, our old man, was what? Crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be brought to what? To nothing. My old man's been brought to nothing. There's nothing there. He's dead. Why? So that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. 
We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. So just understand, my life's not about moralistically living right versus wrong. It's about am I dead or am I alive? And my old man was put to death so that he would be brought to nothing. God says, your old man, he's dead to you. And look what he says in verse 11 then. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin. Why does he, what, why is he, what's he saying there? You must consider yourselves also. Who considers you dead to sin? God does. He's saying, I want you to think like I think. I think you're dead to sin. You need to say, hey, you know what? I'm dead to sin. My old man is dead. He was crucified. He was buried. He was brought to nothing. So, again, we still struggle with our sin, right? So learn to say it this way. Here's a better way to say it. I have a sin problem, not a sin nature. I got a sin problem, but I don't got a sin nature. I'm not two people. And, and a lot of times, you're going to hear a lot of people say, no, you have two people. You have the old man and the new man, and they're fighting with each other. But that just doesn't totally add up. Also, at the same time, I'm not my flesh. Think about this. I'm not my flesh. Oftentimes we think the flesh is the old man. We can get confused there. I, I even, a couple weeks ago, in a sermon said, we need to conquer ourselves. And I'm, I got home in that, later that day and the next day I'm thinking, I shouldn't have said it that way. No, I need to conquer my flesh, but not myself. I'm not my flesh. What is my flesh? When I think about my flesh, what is my flesh? And we can kind of try to define our flesh Here's some terms to define it, defining the flesh. The flesh, well, of course, it refers to our physical body sometimes. You know, a man and woman get married, two flesh become one. That's their bodies. But then the flesh also means the approach to life apart from Christ. The flesh means worldly strategies. The flesh means coping mechanisms. The flesh is sinful attitudes. It's old ways of thinking. The flesh is not the old man. It's not my old nature, but it's the way the old man thinks. It's the way I used to think. The best illustration I heard of this comes from a guy named Andrew Farley in a book called The Naked Gospel. He says it's like this. You get a brand new computer, right? A brand new iMac Pro or whatever, or you know, whatever your computer is. Brand new computer. Brand new creation. And then you take that computer and put some old software on it, and it doesn't run right. Or you know how you, on your computer, you ever see it in computer, you get those little, up, those little things, you need to download this software update. It says, you want to do it now? Remind me tomorrow. Remind me next week. You know, if you're like me, you keep clicking, remind me tomorrow. <laughs> we don't want to do that. You want to download those software updates. The reality is I am a brand new computer, a brand new creation, but I can still think like the old man. I can still run software that is old and outdated and I need to constantly renew my mind and renew my thinking and download those software updates so that my computer, my brand new computer, my new creation will run the way it's supposed to run. See, I have a sin problem, not a sin nature. I am a brand new computer, a brand new creation in Christ, entirely new not just new and reproved, not just refurbished, a brand spanking new computer. I've also had a location change. 
And this is key. We mentioned this a little bit earlier, but it can slip by us. Again, this points beyond our behaviors of right and wrong to life versus death. What are the two locations? Here it is in 1 Corinthians 15, 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Adam committed a sin. We were all born into sin. In Adam we all die. In Christ we're all made alive. Simply put, everybody in this room today, you, you live in one of two locations. Everybody on the face of the planet Earth lives in one of two locations. You are in Adam, and you're destined for death and hell. You're in Christ, and you're destined to be resurrected with Him to eternal life in glory. You're either in Adam, oftentimes the Bible talks about being in the flesh in that sense, or you're in Christ, and the Bible often refers to that as being in the Spirit. Those are the two ways we can live and we've talked about that in other ways in times past. Just understand your identity, your nature. It's not based on your behavior. It's based on am I alive or am I dead? That's the reality that we're dealing with. <clears throat> Let me give you just a, a passage here that will help us understand this. I'm either in Adam the flesh or I'm in Christ the spirit. Here it is, Romans chapter 8. There is therefore now... <clears throat> No condemnation for those who are where? Locationally, in Christ Jesus. Right? If you're in Christ, you're not condemned. We read earlier that everybody's condemned because of Adam's sin. If we're in Christ Jesus, there's no condemnation for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Down in verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but you're in the Spirit. You don't live locationally in the flesh or in Adam. You live locationally in the Spirit. In fact, the spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. Do you see the two locations? You're either in the flesh or you're in the spirit. You're either dead or alive. You're not both dead and alive and you don't have two natures. You don't have God's brand new nature and then the human nature, the sinful nature simultaneously. And I'll prove it to you in, in one other way here. Just look at this. Where today is the Holy of Holies? Where's the Holy of Holies today? Remember the Holy of Holies? The Jewish high priest went in there and offered those sacrifices and he had to do it just right and if he didn't, he would be struck dead because sin was a serious thing to God and so the Holy of Holies, not anybody could go in there, right? So the Holy of Holies today, well, tells us this. Paul says, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you whom you have from God? So the Holy Spirit lives in us. We're his temple. I would say the closest thing to the Holy of Holies would be your heart where God has poured out his love through the spirit that dwells your heart. 2 Corinthians 6, do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers. For what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness or what fellowship has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. What's God saying? He's saying to you and I, if you're his, if, you, if, 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 if you're a Christian, you know, you got to watch who you hang out with, watch who you have relationships with. This is about, of course, if you're a Christian, don't marry an unchristian. Don't be united, united together with someone who's an unbeliever. <clears throat> and yet we're to believe 
according to a lot of people, that Jesus Christ came and moved into my heart with the old man, and they live there together, and they fight each other. No. What union? What, what relationship? No, he kicked him out. The old man was brought to nothing. He was crucified. He was kicked out. Christ moved in. I am pure and holy, and there is no, there's just no relationship there. I am not a half and half Christian. God didn't do half a job when he saved me. He didn't leave the old man around to cause me problems. Christ moved in, took over, cleaned the place up, made me entirely brand new, and now says, renew your thinking. Think like the new man, not like the old man. See, here's the problem. When we get saved, we have all our memories. We've lived a certain way all our life. All those memories of how we used to think and how we used to act, and, and those, are what, those are what kind of run our life, and we have to let those things go. We have to think like the new man, not like the old man. So I am not, I am not who I think I am. Who am I really? I'm not who I was, and I'm not who I think I am. And finally, just briefly here, here's the last point. I'm not who I will be. I'm not who I will be. And we keep talking about this reality then that I have a sin problem. Not a sin nature, but I got a sin problem. And, and here's the simple reality I do. We live in a fallen in a world and in a broken body. We simply do. I still have my mind that can think about how I used to live, and that's my struggle. So here's what, here's what Paul says, Romans 8, 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed in us. There's a glory waiting us in heaven. We can't even imagine what it looks like. We're going to get a brand new body. It won't be broken. We're going to live in a place where sin doesn't exist, not in a fallen world. It's going to be amazing. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. All the earth is under the curse of sin. It groans every day to be set free. Verse 23, and not only the creation, but we ourselves, we have the first fruits of the Spirit. We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies for this, in this hope we are saved. And every day we groan. We can't wait to leave this place. We can't wait to go to glory. We can't wait to be done with our struggle with sin. How do we handle the struggle with sin? Well, what did Paul tell us? So you must also... Just as God considers you dead to sin, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and what? Alive to God in Christ Jesus. Don't go out there and just try to live a good life versus a bad life. Realize who you are in Christ. You are alive in Christ. You are dead to sin. You are in Christ. You are not in Adam. Understand that. The reality is we need to see ourselves as we really are. I need to see who myself as I really am and then think that way. I need to think the thoughts of the new man, not the thoughts of of the old man. And our biggest issue really comes down to our thinking and, and the way we think. I don't have a sin <clears throat> nature. I have a sin problem. That's the reality. In fact, can I tell you, honestly, we really don't want to sin. And that might shock some of us. It's like, but we really don't want to sin. Think about that. <clears throat> we really don't want to sin. What happens when we sin? Well, remember that passage in Romans 7? Paul talked about it in Romans 7. He says, you know what? I, I do the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I do want to do. And, and he goes on and says this. <coughs> Excuse me. He goes on and says this. I don't really want to sin. Sin wants me to sin. Understand that. I don't want to sin, but sin wants me to sin. Satan wants me to sin. I'm tempted to sin, but I don't really want to sin. And Paul said it like this. Wretched man that I am, 
Who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. And for years I've read that verse and thought, boy, that verse is so out of character for Paul because Paul goes around saying we're holy and we're saints and, and building us up and then he turns around and says, oh, I'm a wretched man. I never got it. And so this week, I don't know why I never did this before, but this week I went and I looked at some other translations and I looked at the Greek and I looked at it and, and you know, some translations use a different word than wretched and it makes it more sense. They use the word miserable. What a miserable man that I am. Ah, it makes sense now. Paul's saying, you know what? I don't do the things I want to do and I do the things I don't want to do and I am so miserable inside. And I'm like, boy, Paul, <laughs> I agree. I know how you feel. <laughs> Now it makes sense. See, Paul's not saying he's a wretched man in his character, in, 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 in his nature. He's saying, I'm a miserable, miserable man. I feel miserable. I feel, I feel rotten when I sin. I don't want to sin, but I do. Wretched, getting the idea more of miserable. Just because I sin, it doesn't mean I want to. We need to get that in our being because we sometimes think, oh, I love to sin. Yeah, sin is fun, the Bible says. It's pleasurable, and the minute we're done sinning, we hate ourselves, and we're like, ah, I didn't want to do that. Why did I sin? Why did I give in to that temptation? Um, one of the best ways maybe to, to capture this and to understand this, then if we say sin is um, not my nature, but sin is a problem, Go back to our computer illustration again. So you got your brand new computer, right? You need to download those daily updates. You need to download and, and uh, get those software updates. But have you ever had a computer where you got a virus in your computer, right? And the, and the virus gets in there and it slows the computer down and it's a real pain. It just makes your computer so hard to use. And you ever been there and it's like, man, I am so miserable working on this computer because this virus is just messing with the computer, and that's exactly what sin is. It's not my nature. It is a problem. It is an outside force that comes at me and attacks me from the outside. One person said sin is like a parasite and it feeds off us. It's not who I am. Sin is not me. Sin is in me. So back in Romans 7, here's how Paul says it. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, Listen to what he says. It's no longer I who do it. I'm not the one doing it. I'm not the one. <laughs> no, it's sin that dwells in me. It's sin that is in me like this parasite. And sin gets in there and affects me. So here's what I am. I'm pure and holy and then I get this sin. This parasite comes and attacks my heart and then it starts to affect maybe how I think, right? And I start thinking those old man thoughts or it affects what I do, maybe. It affects maybe where I go. It affects potentially what I say with my mouth, the words that come out of my mouth or it affects what I look at and what I see. And sin is this parasite in me that is making my life miserable, I don't want to see these things. I don't want to say these things. I don't want to do these things. And it's not me who's doing it because I'm pure and holy. I'm a new creation. But it's sin in me like a parasite that's feeding off of me. And I'm miserable. And the best way to handle that parasite, and we'll talk about this going forward, but it's up here in our mind. It's learning how to download those software updates, learning how to think like the new man not the old man. That's tough because, man, you know, if you're saved when you're 50, you've been living for 50 years thinking like the old man, and all of a sudden you're brand new. You can do things brand new. You've got to learn how to rethink everything you do and start thinking like 
you are. Sin might be in me, but sin is not me. Just understand that. That is the key. So why does all this matter? Real quickly, why does all this matter? I'm not defined by my past. I'm not defined by anything I've done in the past or anything that's been done to me in the past, any of those hurts that I've experienced in the past. That's not me. I'm not defined by that. I'm a brand new creation. I can forgive. I can heal. I can let go through the power of Christ. I'm not defined by my behaviors. Doesn't matter what you do. What behavior you, dis- you display, that's not who you are. You're not defined by your behaviors. And sometimes we're going to miss the mark like Paul. We're going to do the things we hate and we don't want to do. We're going to feel miserable. doesn't mean I am miserable. I might feel wretched, but I'm not wretched. I am a brand new creation in Christ. I am pure and holy through and through. I'm not defined by my doubts and my fears and my insecurities. When we do the wrong thing, when we sin, when we violate God's law, when we let God down, we can, we can start to doubt our relationship with Him. We can start to feel insecure. We can start to think, does God really love me? Oh, how can God put up with me? You know what? I'm not defined by those doubts, those fears, those insecurities. I'm da- I, I, I am I'm defined by a God who says He loves me through and through, will never leave me and forsake me. My identity is supposed to shape my behavior. Going back to last week, all those things. Look at all those things that are your identity. You can look at them and say, this is how I'm supposed to act and behave and strive really hard. And that's your old man thinking. Or I can look at that and say, this is who I am in Christ. And if I just trust Christ, if I just live Christ, you know what? Yeah, I'll be all those things and more. I'll be all those things and more. The reality is I really don't want to sin. It is sin that wants me to sin. Just know that. And finally, last one, walking by the flesh while living in the Spirit always leads to conflict. It'll always lead to conflict. If you are a born-again believer, if you are in Christ, but you're still thinking like you were in Adam, still thinking in the flesh, it will always lead to conflict. In any circumstance you go through, it will lead to conflict. In any relationship, it's going to lead to conflict. If you are a new person in Christ, if you're a brand new computer and you're running software from your old computer and thinking it's going to frustrate you, it's going to be miserable, it's going to cause conflict. In my personal life, it will cause conflict. In my parenting, it will cause conflict. In my marriage, it will cause conflict. At my work, it will cause conflict. If you are a new creation in Christ, you are pure, holy, through and through. Sin does not define you. Sin does not own you. Sin does not control you. It's not supposed to anyway. It's how you process things up here in your mind. It's how you process things up here in mind. Who am I really? Who am I really? And just remember, I, was, I am designed to walk in the Spirit. So who am I really? I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm not who I used to be. I'm not who I think I am. And I'm not who I will be because one day I'll no longer battle that parasite of sin. Those viruses won't be able to infect me. One day I'll get my glorified body. But until that time, let's just remember, I have a sin problem, but I don't have a sin nature. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for how you encouraged me this week. Studying this stuff is good. Knowing who I am in you and good. Knowing the power and the potential I have because you are my life. Because you poured out your love through the Holy Spirit into my heart. That's hard for me to imagine sometimes. But I got a brand new heart. And I can trust my heart. And I can trust you in my heart. 
and I, and I can think the thoughts that I need to think. I've got the new mind of Christ. I don't have to think like I used to think. I can think like the new man. And God, help us this week as we go forward, Lord, that we would do just that. That we would look in the mirror, we would know who we are in you, and then we would live up to that simple reality. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. Amen, amen, amen. There's some people.